Yes. All right. So we have started a new craze. It counts us down five, four, three, two, one, and we were throwing some dance moves. Jill Grams, how are you? <laughs> I am good. Really good. How are you? Fabulous, fabulous. So we're going to have a chat today about all the wonderful things you're doing. If you don't know, Jill worked with myself for a long while, really the, the real original uh, stages of me after I left One Eno Beer to start all the self-development and then eventually train coaches. Jill was with us on the first ever uh, course cohort that we run of training coaches. It was a brilliant help to me and then has blossomed into the world of coaching and, and now is doing so many wonderful things, which we're going to get into Um in a moment. Um, so I thought, Jill, if we could just start with a bit of your hero or heroine's adventure that sort of brought you on this journey to this place. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I was thinking about this one. And I think mine, you can break it down into two parts. So I guess the first part is, would start about four years ago when I decided I met you um, when I decided to take a break from the booze. So no real biggie. I just, like most people, drinking more than I wanted to be and just thought enough's enough. I need to do something about it. Took a break. Um, but very, very quickly, like very early on, I think five days in, it hit me smack in the face that for me, the problem wasn't about the booze at all. It was, um, it was other stuff. It was a lifelong battle with insecurity, a lack of self-belief, um, all sorts of lovely stuff like that. And I realized then, then, um, that I had been doing exactly the same thing with alcohol as I used to do in my younger years with food. Uh, it was very much my coping mechanism. It was the thing I used to hide behind. Um, and that's when I say my hero's journey is split into two. I think mine actually started, well, I know it actually started way back when I was a teenager. And my story is that I was, I was a young girl from, from a council estate in Scotland. I got, I was a decent enough runner. I got the golden ticket to go on a sports scholarship to America. But somewhere along the lines, things went a little bit wrong and I didn't really believe I was good enough. So, um, so to cut a long story short, I won't, I know you know my story, Andy, but I won't bore everybody with the details, but I basically pretended to everybody back then there was a lack of support. You know, now I see there was a lack of support, but I, my way of dealing with those insecurities was, was to hide, was to put on the face and to pretend to the outside world that everything was great and that I was good enough. But all that did was um, manifest this overwhelming fear of failure. You know, I, I was pretending that I was amazing, so I always had to be amazing. And subsequently, well, we can't be amazing all the time. So, so I crashed and burned. I couldn't handle the pressure. I, um, I dropped out of uni and then I, I ran away to France, which is, which is where I am now. Um, one thing that I should mention is, in, in, in terms of hiding, I literally did that. I developed an eating disorder and that, that almost destroyed my life for many years. So I ran away to France. I got over the eating disorder, which was amazing. But I realized four years ago that in many ways, I'd replaced the food with alcohol. 
and I was still to a certain extent hiding beliefs about myself that I'd formed way back then when I was that young girl at university were still tripping me up as as a as a what a 46 47 year old woman and it was only when I started working on myself through your self-development course that that all of this came to light um and hence the reason that that I suddenly thought wow you know I can use this. I can use this. You know, um, the coaching that I did with you had such a profound effect on me that I, I then wanted to um, to help others. You know, who maybe some suffer with similar things. Yeah, that's it's such a brilliant story, and it's so indicative of most people's story. It, it might not have manifest in those those you know very sort of physical ways, whether it be you know around food, around alcohol. But I think most people often harbour those you know, those insecurities, those imposter syndromes, the fact that I have to be perfect, I've got to juggle all these balls, I've got to be the perfect mom, I've got to be the perfect businesswoman, I've got to be the perfect everything. And you just can't manage that. That is an impossible task because no one is perfect. And I think where coaching and self-development gets so much of his power is allowing people the space to realize it's not just me. Most people feel like that and actually having the time and space to explore themselves and actually root around and find some of those things to realize they're not serving me anymore. Maybe once they acted as a little pr protective mechanism through some you know, psychological pain as you transitioned in your instance to the college in, in the US, but equally those same patterns and beliefs don't serve us or continue to serve us in the way that maybe they once did and therefore exploring those and uncovering those and changing those can be quite transformational and I've seen that in your own life and now here you are with your story to share you know and, and this lovely opportunity to to give back and there's that moment isn't there how did that feel for you that moment of oh I think that little tug to adventure I think I want to sort of use some of this and, and give it back to other people it took a while it took a while I mean I will say that all of this for me has been has been very, very scary. Uh, it, it's funny because hearing you speak there, it does make me think it, in many ways, it sounds absolutely ridiculous that beliefs that you form about yourself when you're 17 still trip you up when you're when you're in your late 40s and 50s. But um, but that's a long time to be harboring these beliefs about yourself, isn't it? Those protective walls that I put up were and still are you know <laughs> i have a huge and really really strong um fight or flight um side to my personality and you know it can work wonders hence the reason i i probably was on that scholarship in the first place i'm a real competitive person but there's also this other side to me and if i feel um that there's a chance of not winning for a you know for it's maybe the wrong expression but a chance of failure i can it takes me all my strength to rein that side of me in and to sit and to face the fear so this hasn't been easy at all it hasn't been easy at all but because of that um it has been so utterly rewarding and the th i think the thing that I mean, when, when I started, it's funny because when I started doing all this work with you, the thought of like what, doing what we're doing now and, and, and speaking on a podcast 
absolutely no way. I don't know if you remember when I did my first live in the Facebook group, but I couldn't even speak. I was I was so nervous again because I, had, I thought I had to be perfect. But um, it's 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 taken it's it's taken a long time to little by little work on rewriting those beliefs and build up my confidence. But one thing that I have seen is that because I am now very, very comfortable with my imperfections and my story, um, I can use that to help others. Because especially if you are hiding behind food or drink, there's an awful lot of shame right around that. So someone like me, who is, 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 is willing to speak quite openly around, about these things, I think can be you know, if you're in that position where you're in the shadows and you see somebody somebody like me out there saying me too, I think that can be a really, really beneficial and helpful thing. And so it's that I hold on to. Although I am still very scared about many things, I hold on to that 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 thought that if I can just if if by facing my fears I can just help one person who's like I was way back when, you know, hiding and surrounded in shame, then it's worth it. And when I do that, when I see these women who start, you know, to, to go through the transformation that I myself went through, um, see them start to believe in themselves, see them start to see their strengths, see them start to stop hiding and actually build a lovely life for themselves. But you can see, I, I just love it. There is nothing quite like it. Oh, I feel like giving you a round of applause on the back of that. That was wonderful. I've, I'm feeling really proud now <laughs> listening to you, how well you articulate that. You know, it feels like, you know, in terms of your coaching adventure and whatnot, just to listen to you is it, so powerful and how you've become comfortable being out there and being a beacon of change, I think, for so many women who, like you say, need someone to show up and shine. And then they can feel, oh, it's not just me. You know, all those thoughts and limiting beliefs that people carry and they're, they're, they're ashamed of and they're embarrassed about, they don't tell anyone around, they can see it and go, well, actually, if Jill went through that, maybe it's not just me. And then there's an opportunity to do that incredible work. And your slogan is uh, stop hiding and start living. Tell me a bit more about that. Mm -hmm. Well, well, that's essentially um, what I've, what I've sort of just been saying It's that has come from the fact. So I, I, I consider myself to be a habit change coach and it's notably, you know, habits around food or drink, but it could be numerous things. It could be, you know, I, I work with women again, who struggle with perfectionism, lack of confidence, that kind of thing, all sorts of things. I think there are, are so many different kind of masks we can wear and coping mechanisms, mechanisms that we, we gravitate towards, but the stop hiding, um, start living bit is because I am really speaking to those women who are doing exactly that, who are emotionally eating or drinking, um, not who just want to, oh, change a few habits, change the environments, turn the page and get on with it. I'm, I'm talking about those women. And I think, I think we all know who we are, who there, there are deeper things getting in the way. I quite often, a lot of the ladies I work with maybe gave up the booze for, for a significant period of time, but then found themselves self-sabotaging and, and drawn back to it. 
And those are the people I'm speaking to, the people who there's, there's something deeper going on. And I think from my experience, most of us have that, you know, there are reasons that we're, we're, we're drawn towards these things in the first place. So my stop hiding, start living is really, is really speaking to those women, people who are, are using the booze or the food or whatever it may be to hide behind because they're, they're kind of too scared almost to face life without it. And I say that, and, and sometimes we're not even aware that that's exactly what we're doing, but using alcohol or food to fill a void, to fill a need, um, you know, that kind of thing. My whole, so my, my, my methods are, so for example, if someone comes to me about emotional eating, we, we more often than not, we spend very little time actually looking, speaking about food. We more look at the whys. Why are you drawn to that? What needs are not being met? You know, that kind of thing. And how can we fill them in other ways? So I look at trying to get people living, you know, getting them happy, um, filling their needs and, and, and making sure that they, they tick all the boxes and get what they want in life. And I find that in doing that, the pool towards the alcohol or the food or whatever it is they're gravitating towards gradually lessens. So that's what I mean about the stop hiding, start living, because that's what I was doing. I was hiding behind food and alcohol for a long time. Uh, and that's music to my ears because a lot of the coaches that come to train with us have got backgrounds in nutrition, for example, like yourself. And, and what you discussed there for me is the most important bit. It's less about the shopping list and much more about what's going on underneath? Why are you finding it harder? Why are you not in that place where you want to be with your nutrition or your relationship with alcohol? And very often it's got nothing to do with knowledge. That almost is the last piece of the puzzle and everything to do with what they're hiding from or you know those limited mm -hmm. beliefs, like you say, that they've picked up. And I think by working through that with a coach, that's the most powerful work because I think too often people think I'm broken, I'm doing it wrong. I've got this list of things that I should eat or should do, and I'm not fulfilling it. So therefore that's even more reason, you know, why I'm, you know, imperfect and all those things, more shame, more guilt. But actually it was never about that in the first place. It was always about a limiting belief that had just been sitting there, probably picked up in our teen years or our childhood that actually has been the thing that's been tripping them up. And when that's dealt with or overcome or challenged and changed, all of a sudden the shopping list becomes easy because now there is the emotional side of it is, is gone. And that's just so powerful to hear. And I think that's probably why you get so many people such brilliant results. And then on that note, like in your own sort of journey of coaching and self-development, what have been some of the big, I guess, light bulb moments? Oof, oof. Um, <laughs> there have been so many. I think one of the biggest for me is again around this whole perfectionism thing. I think the realization that some of my imperfections, my willingness to speak about my imperfections, my willingness to, it's ironic because the very thing I used to hide, I used to pretend that people would only like me if I was amazing and I was perfect. And actually the complete opposite has happened over the last four years. My willingness to show my vulnerability, I would say, is my greatest gift. So especially in my 
not so much in my one-to-one -one coaching, but in the group programs that I run, I very much share my story. It's, it's what you were speaking about earlier, you know, it's a, as a means of me too, you know, this is what my story is. And, and people know that, you know, most people who are there know me, know my story, and they're there for that reason. But that realization that actually um, my weaknesses, I can actually use these, I can use that messy, horrible, dark period of my life to help other people, that that, that was there for a reason, um, that is actually a gift. That was huge for me. That was huge for me. And still is, still is. That is the thing when when the, the old habits die hard, don't they? When when that fear comes creeping up and, and I want to hide again, I remember that. I remember, no, Jill, come on. You know, it's this this exact vulnerability is is where your strength lies. So that's probably the biggest. Yeah. So much, so many, but that's probably the biggie for me. Yeah, I love that. And it's so true, isn't it? Our mess becomes our message or our biggest challenge in life, which at the time was so difficult to overcome, be it, you know, that transition where you, you know, left your home to go to America or be around food or around alcohol. The, the wonderful irony is that those moments, whilst they hurt at the time and you can't see a way out from them, now as you are out the other side and that hero's journey progresses, you find yourself in this incredible position now where you can actually go back and utilize that pain for good. And by sharing that story mm. of your struggle, it helps people now in a similar position to you. And I just think that's one of the greatest gifts of coaching in many ways, because it gives you this, I think, confidence and a vehicle to do exactly that, uh, which you do so, so beautifully well. Um, and then coming mm. to, to your coaching business, which I've always liked the happy balance coach. What's, Tell me what you mean by that. I laugh at that because, as I think I've told you before, my other half says, Jill, you know, the happy balanced coach, you should have called it the happy, unbalanced, unhinged coach, you know. <laughs> but there is a reason, there is a reason <laughs> for this name. It's because balance is is finding balance is key in my happiness um and it it it's something that i have to really really work on and i use it in my coaching again this is another thing that i realized through the work that we did together you have what you refer to as the six pillars there are these key elements that you feel you know you believe are almost like the building blocks um there are things like movement, nutrition, connection. I, I've taken it a step further and, and I realized I have eight elements that to me are essentials that have to be present in my life in order for me to, to be happy and to flourish. Um, they also include things like play, belonging. Belonging and connection is a huge one in terms of my own story with emotional eating and alcohol belonging, nutrition, movement, all sorts of other things. But I actively um, work on these things. It doesn't, balance to me doesn't happen by chance. I think I'm a real, as a person, I'm a real all or nothing person, especially when I get, when I'm, when I'm on a mission, when I've got a goal or I get my teeth into, into something. 
that fight or flight thing comes out and I can get totally carried away and totally knocked off balance. So I have put in place, I guess, tools, practices that help me maintain balance, that help me ensure that all of these elements are present in my life to some degree as a constant. And that's what I work with women. I work with women on the same thing. I work with women on all, all sorts of things, but that's a sort of big underlying piece to the coaching work and the coaching program that I do. Because again, it's going back to the whole unmet needs bit. Quite often I find that the women I work with are eating or drinking because because of this, this unbalance, because some of these needs, be it connection, be it, be it all sorts of other things, are missing, are missing. They're unbalanced. So that's where that comes from. Because the balance, the happy balance coach does have a nicer ring than the unbalanced, unhinged. I'm not sure how that would, that would yeah. work. <laughs> On a slogan, I like it a lot. But it's, I mean, that's beautiful work. You know, it is beautiful work. And that's so important, isn't it? You know, looking at those elements and actually seeing where maybe there's a deficiency there or, and again, that's another awareness piece, isn't it? Very often it's something as simple as connection and belonging and feeling lonely that's actually triggering emotional eating or a relationship with alcohol. And actually by doing the work on that loneliness, for example, or connection, that can be the thing that actually in readdressing that balance starts to solve some of the other um, issues in our life. I, I think it's, an, it's a wonderful way to coach because I think it's foundationally important. It's something that I've always done as well. Um, so then what sort of, you know, and our final question, what sort of fires you up about this whole coaching experience and the work that you do and, and, and what's the future look like? Oof. Um, what fires me up? Seeing, seeing women start to, to come out from behind the curtain, to remo start removing that mask, seeing them little by little start to identify their strengths, identify the the awareness again the needs that are not being met and do something about that when i see women in front of my eyes start to believe in themselves it's that it's that that just oh i just i absolutely love it that is why i do what i do without a doubt without a doubt yeah that is powerful and i can see you light up as well as you're talking about and what what does the future look like what's going on in your world right now that people should know about all sorts of things it's it's great i have got uh, at the moment i'm running one of my fab in five program um it's very funny this is so me I, it's called fab in five <laughs> it's a bit like the happy balance coach it's a program that actually lasts six weeks but <laughs> fab in five sounds so much nicer <laughs> It's five to six weeks, but but anyway, it's it's a short program. I've got eight women in there at the moment, and um, it's really really powerful. So it's it's for what we've spoken about: women who struggle with self sabotage. I've got women there who some have come because they struggle with exercise, some with food, some with alcohol, whatever. But we work together, and over the course of the five six weeks we look at their whys, you know, what a lot of the work is around needs and balance and why. 
we look at strengths, limiting beliefs. So this week at the moment, we're identifying with the the, the, the different sides to to our, our personalities, you know, that little feel fearful girl versus the strong, empowering woman. So I've got this lovely program going on at the moment, and I just absolutely love it. That's due to, to end in a couple of weeks' time. And I'll be running another one of them again in March. So I've got that. Um, I also have started running retreats out. I live in the French Alps. So I do, I've started these feel fabulous retreats. And again, it's an extension of the little program that I just spoke about. But the idea is come out here into this magnificent setting, you know, in terms of if you want to work on empowerment or limiting beliefs, I think there's no finer place to do it than if you're sat on a mountaintop looking out at the most wonderful panoramic view ever. I did my first one last year and I just saw how amazing, how, how, how much of an impact it made on the women who came out. So I run these feel fabulous retreats. Um, and I've also got in June, I am working with Cassie Ridley, who is a, a fellow coach that I met again on, on your coaching course. And we're running a sober wellness fest in the UK at Dave Cornthwaite from the Big Sky Hideaway at his location. We are just doing this big all singing, all dancing celebration of wellness. I mean, we've got loads of coaches involved, but there's going to be meditation, forest bathing, um, art workshops, swimming in the river. We've got Claire Mack from Alcohol Free Runners coming and leading running groups. We've got um, photography workshops, everything under the sun. So we've got that in, in June. But basically what I'm how my how I see my business growing is 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 all sorts of um, workshops and retreats and just getting people together and with this big old celebration of who we are, self-worth, wellness, alcohol-free living and just loving life, really. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Everything you're doing, it's just wonderful to see you shining and, and just getting out into the world and helping so many people. It's, it's incredible. And we'll make sure in the show notes, we have links to your Facebook, your uh, Happy Balance Facebook, your Instagram website, Linktree, all that good stuff. So if you're interested in working with Jill, and I'd highly recommend you do, check out the show notes. All the links are there. And if there was a main place people could go and find you, where would it be? I do have a website. Uh, I do have a website, but I would say go to my Instagram. I'm not huge on Instagram, but I've got my link tree on there. And via my link tree that's in the bio, you've got everything. So just Jill Grams, the Happy yeah. Balance Coach. You can find me on Instagram. Perfect. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me for today's episode and exciting times ahead. Thank you, Andy. It's been fun. Take care.